Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Well, about six, no, about uh, almost a year ago now, I uh, started doing some writing and was finishing my master's program at North Central University. And uh, they hook you up if you're finishing with somebody that's on staff at North Central. And they hooked me up with this guy named Lon Flippo. And I said, I don't know who that is. Who's this guy? And I had to, had to go into his office and meet him. And, and uh, I sat down, and, and uh, I, I felt like we kind of hit it off. I just, just hearing his story, and I was able to share mine and real and learn a little bit of his past. He's been on staff at a couple different churches, started a church very similar to our demographic, and then... I was also a pastor at a much larger church out in California, I believe as the executive pastor, if my memory, my memory serves me right. And uh, I've learned a lot. I thought I was a decent writer until I met him. And uh, you ever have one of those teachers that they mark up your stuff and it's, it's a lot of red pen? Let's just say that uh, at one, one part of the thing I was writing got to a point where Dr. Lon just said, I'm going to stop marking this. You need to learn how to do this now, bro. And I was like... Thanks, man. I got this. But it was good. He's a great teacher. He's a great mentor. He's a great coach. And some of the best teachers, mentors, and coaches, they don't do it for you. They allow you to learn to do it for yourself. And uh, it's been a huge, huge blessing. Um, I'm, I'm super overjoyed that we have him here today. Uh, while I was out in the lobby, a lot of you were already picking up his books and saying, how do I buy this? I want this. And I think God's already speaking to you. He's got uh, a few different books. He's working on his fourth book right now. And he's got three awesome books uh, out in the lobby. One is called I Parent, one Sepulcher, Sepulcher, and then one is Soul Survivor. And I believe it's, was it Sepulcher or Soul Survivor that was the first? Soul Survivor was the first. And, and uh, you'll read part of his story in here as well. And uh, they're all tie into really who the fathers are. One is really um, a story of the prodigal, which we just sang about, and how God really wants to get a hold of our heart, what that looks like and uh, touching on things that, that he's been through, that our current world is going through, stuff that you're probably going, man, I need help with fill in the blank when it comes to your relationship with Christ, with your relationship with the Father, and maybe even your relationship with your kids or your dad. And so Soul Survivor um, out of the three is really one that I believe is real personal. It's a great read. It's a very short read. And uh, they're out there. They're for sale. I know there's some deals that Bon and, and his wife, Chris, will be out there after service. And so, man, buy all three. We want to support him. We want to bless him. And I said, hey, man, what, what can we do when you come? He's like, man, if I can just put books, that'd be great. And that's all he's asking for, uh, from us today. And so um, please buy all three of him, okay? Give them away as gifts. They're awesome. The second one is Sepulcher. And uh, this one is really um, a battle. It's, it's really a battle, and I believe... I'm getting them mixed up right now. Is this the one that talks about? The other one's the prodigal son. I parent as a prodigal son. Sepulcher, though, they, they all read personally and like a story. There's, there's a lot of great content, but there's also a lot of great um, insight into what the Word of God says. But it's using um, modern-day parables to do that. And so I parent really gets into the prodigal son. And that's this one. We've got I parent, and then we've got sepulcher, and then we've got soul survivor. And this is what I want to say. He's going to come up here in just a moment. And then Dr. Flippo right now works at North Central University. And uh, he's an incredible guy to many leaders and many pastors. Um, his, his books are phenomenal. I encourage you to grab hold of them. 
And then today he is speaking on a topic that's probably one of the most top, tough topics to really look at, and I'll let him share what that is. Um, but know this, whatever is happening at church on a Sunday is usually what the minister and the staff go through the week before, so we just want to say thank you for that. And uh, he'll, get, he'll unwrap that together. And so this is what I want to do this morning. I want us to open up. I want us to listen to the words that he has, and then afterwards go meet him. He will sign books for you, grab them. Um, and we'll go from there. So would you do this as loud as we can? Can we just give a warm welcome to Dr. Lon Flippo this morning? Love you, man. Take those. Good to be here today. I have been looking forward to this day for a while just to kind of hang out with Chris and you people, I've heard about you, I've read about you, I've marked up who you are and all kinds of stuff, so I feel like I really know this place a lot more than probably the average person would. One thing would be this, uh, do me a favor, uh, just whatever notions you might have about someone who has doctor in front of their name, I'm going to ask you to put that aside. Forget about that. I've been a pastor for 30 years. I've only been teaching for about three. The doctor part is just the, the pathway to get to teach and to get the respect I need for that avenue. But today, I'm just here to share God's word with you, to talk about my life, some of the passion I have. And every single one of my books and everything I write about and everything I do is all really centrally around the fact that God had a magnificent plan for my life he has one for your life, and along that journey, he wants to know us to know that he's with us 100%. But the day-to-day -day application of that is what I want to talk about today. So I'm going to step into my mode here of how I do things, and my style is a little bit more dramatic, a little bit more uh, focused. I don't wander too much. I stay on track, but I think you're going to find that what I have to say is right where God is speaking to you at today. In fact, some of you within just a few moments are going to be like, how did he know that this is exactly where I was at? It's because God has a plan for you today, and he wants you to understand that and to grow from it today. It was the darkest period of the 20th century. It was 1933 through 1945. And upon conclusion, the truth about the enemy was beyond comprehension. Gas chambers, crematoriums, Auschwitz, mass murder. Enslaved people so thin and emaciated, they looked like walking skeletons. Entire families annihilated, their names and faces buried in unmarked mass graves. Over six million men, women, and children dead. Not because of military battles, but systematically murdered one by one by fellow human beings. History's unhealed wound, the Holocaust, became known as World War II. And the world was shocked. I mean, how could this happen in a civilized society? How could human beings take part in such a, a cultivated evil? How could someone oppose this? Why couldn't someone just oppose this man named Adolf Hitler? And theologians and historians and, and presidents and leaders, average citizens ask over and over and over, why? Why? 
Was it pre, uh, prejudice and greed? A struggle for scarcity of resources? A, a personal vendetta to create a super race? Or was it just one man, Adolf Hitler's uncanny charisma and ability to organize people around a cause that created social pressure to conform? The human race wanted a scapegoat for the Great Depression, and Hitler gave them one. He gave them Jews, he gave them gypsies, he gave them Slavs. And blind obedience to government was the demand, all carefully calculated into this equation called war. And still, the question haunts humanity to this day, why? We tell ourselves, no, that could never happen again. World War II is over, a footnote in the pages of history. Mankind is kind of beyond this. But today, don't be lulled to sleep. Don't be fooled by pseudo-peace. Don't kid yourself, evil does not exist. But it's not the evil that you suspect. It's not the enemy that you can see, that you can smell, or you can touch. There's an enemy who is far more sinister than Adolf Hitler, more twisted than modern society, more evil than the most insidious crime. An enemy who seeks to actually murder individuals like you and I, a battle which has raged since the beginning of time, safe in America, safe in our homes. It's easy for us to forget that we are at war, but none of us are exempt from this war. In fact, whether we like it or not, whether we understand it, whether or not we even acknowledge the notion, we are at war. Ephesians 12 reminds us that we're in the midst of a great struggle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The greatest lie of our generation is that humans can somehow overcome evil on our own. A lot of people believe government and social systems will solve the problems of today. Uh, mankind, humankind, they say, doesn't even need a creator, a God to fight our battles. We, we're fine on our own. We'll figure it out. We've got the resources we need. And then today in modern-day Christianity and modern-day Christians and American church, it really seems to be no different. We're, the church today is in, in general content with our lattes and our bagels and our, our flashing lights and our haze and our mirrors, and, and everyone is settling into this long winter nap kind of, of contentment. And in our quest to live in a culturally sensitive society, what's happened is all of us, whether we realize it or not, we've become dull. We've become desensitized to the concept of spiritual warfare. But it's real. It's everywhere. It's around you every moment. Evidence supports the theory the struggle is real. This means we are at war. But I can't be content to just shove these kind of musings I have about war and strife aside as a problem for society or the church to solve. I've got to examine my own heart and see if the struggle is maybe closer to home and whether or not it even rests in my own world. And so I've got to ask myself the question, just like you do today as well, am I at war? Now, upon my self-examination, I conclude that the struggle is real. There is a battle between good and evil. There's a battle between Satan and his demons and God and his angels, and they're fighting a heavenly war. 
There is a battle royale between Satan and Jesus. And to coin a phrase, uh, an epic war to end all wars between my old sinful nature and my renewed mind. Now the difference between war and World War II is that this war is not about land or power or riches or natural resources. This war is about souls. This war is about eternity and the consequences of losing this war are eternal. So many people, though, think that it's not really true. That maybe it's not just something we have to worry about or deal with. But anybody who's first in the strategy of war, anybody who's ever studied it, knows that the first rule of any kind of war, even if you want to get your $50 back for something you got ripped off on, you know how to go about it. You have to first know your enemy. Understand their intent. Understand their struggles. Decipher the, the methods of warfare that are deployed by the enemy. And here's what I know today, and I think you know this as well, but it stands to reason, we've got to once again be reminded of it, that Satan is our enemy. In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us that Satan is a deceiver. So it stands to reason, if he was bold enough to tempt Adam and Eve, if he was bold enough to tempt Jesus, the Son of God, then he's surely going to tempt you and I. We might think we're above Jesus, but we're not. We're really right there in the same boat. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 8 also reminds us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Satan is a powerful enemy, and with the dark forces of this world in his hands, he has all evil in his source. Now here's the thing that I've come to learn, and I know, that when we're doing God's will, and we're working for his kingdom, Satan actually steps up his attacks in our lives. Now we know that we've got the power of Jesus Christ and his blood and his salvation and his resurrection behind us, but he doesn't worry about the person who's out there lost in sin, who doesn't think about God, who isn't concerned about anything that's going on spiritually. He's already got them. He's after you and I because we're doing something in the kingdom. I hope you understand that. The moment that you got out of bed this morning, you were at war with Satan. Now, why would you think anything else? Why would you think that because you were going to go to church today, you were suddenly going to be special? You were actually enemy number one for him. Have you ever gotten up and almost didn't make it here? Let's be real. Sometimes you didn't make it here because the attacks were so heavy, you couldn't even get here. There's people who missed it today because... Satan attacked them and they couldn't figure out how to get here. It's real. So you've got to be on your guard and you've got to start recognizing the tactics of the enemy because evil spirits and dark forces of the spiritual world, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, under the dominion of Satan and Satan is our enemy and there are those things that are working. If you've ever actually had an encounter with Satan and his forces, then you might know what I'm talking about too, where you actually come face to face with it. In my ministry, I've had those, uh, those opportunities, and some of them were, were very frightening, some of them were very uh, surreal at times, but through the power of God, I was able to help somebody, but they are real things that go on. Satan, the devil, Lucifer, Abaddon, call him what you want. It's a very frightening experience. And, and I, might, I, I might not only get one chance, and that's why I'm here today, to just tell you this 
very significant, very important thought that Satan is our enemy and there are dark forces under the dominion of Satan that we are at war and Satan wants to murder you spiritually. He wants to destroy you. I want you to walk away from here knowing today the spiritual warfare is real. That's the first part of my sermon. But there's also another hidden enemy. Yes, Satan is our enemy, but there's another hidden enemy. Our enemy is also this culture and this society that we live in, where we can be deceived and we can be influenced by the, the pressures and the philosophies and the people who live here. Colossians 2.8 warns us, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I think we all know what it's like to live here. We feel the pressure all the time of the American dream to get bigger, better, more stuff. Boating season is around the corner for Minnesota. Fishing season, everybody's got to have the newest, hottest, biggest, awesomest thing. Or we just can't do it right. And it seems like to get the battle to get more stuff rather than sacrifice so we can help the poor spread the gospel is just something that people fight against all the time. A lot of people uh, as, as well battle against this sense to be, to be beautiful, uh, to get the right clothes, to get our hair, our computers, our phones. Everything's got to be right. Everything's got to be perfect. And society will tell you that you just need all this stuff and look good, feel good, and act good. Because of this pressure that's all around us, a lot of times we compare ourselves to other people. We then struggle with low self-esteem, with envy, with all kinds of things that get in the way. We might even feel the pressure of, of friends to join us. There's other ways that, that we go about these spiritual warfares. A lot of times we only talk about materialistic things, but there's battles that go on inside of us as well. Like a lot of times people like just will get around people. Have you ever been around people who just want to gossip and gripe and moan and groan? And pretty soon you're just either involved in it or you're thinking about stuff. And you're getting riled up and frustrated. That's why a lot of times I just put the kibosh on all social media. I don't go to Facebook. I don't read anything. I don't look at nothing. Because if you do, all you do is get mad. All you do is get riled up. You all want to say something. Everybody's got to get published. Everybody's got to get, get tweeted. Everybody's got to say their piece. I just read the other day where somebody said, I don't usually do anything. I don't usually write anything. And then boom, there was like this massive three-page Facebook post message of something they did have to say. Guess what? After about a paragraph, I didn't care anymore. We all have these battles and things that are going on, and if we're not careful, we start accepting more and more what we would really have to call honestly, truly sin into our lives without even recognizing it as sin. Because everybody else around us tells us that it's not. It's just the way we do life now. So don't worry about it. Again, I'm not exempt from this. I'm preaching to myself. Satan and his demons every day will attempt to deceive you and I. The world creates a powerful lure on our mind. But here's what I know. Satan doesn't make me sin. I find that I can do that quite easily on my own. I don't know about you. I just want to check out my audience here right now anybody with me on that I don't need a lot of prompting sometimes 
We do fight against Satan and his forces. We fight against culture and society. But there's also a final battle that I want to share with you today. So we, we fight against Satan. We fight against culture. But there's one last battle that's going on all the time, one that rages in, in, internally. And that final war is the one with our own sinful nature. In Romans 7, Paul wrote, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, do it anyway. This sinful nature that wars with our soul, it creates havoc with our sense of right and wrong, it plays with our mind and it begins to slowly undermine our faith. And this is most evident in our, our fleshly and earthly desires. And so people will struggle with destructive things. This is why people struggle with alcoholism, drugs, and, or pornography, or being even addicted to work. Other people are obsessed with kind of getting the rewards of this world, having money or power or prestige. There's a lot of things that go on. Now, I want to tell you a little bit more about myself today because I found that people can understand me better when I share a little bit about who I am. I'm not a perfect person. I didn't get to this place in my life uh, through some, you know, magical journey that all steps by step went perfect. I've had my share of struggles and, and battles and that's why I write about them. My books are just filled with, they're all stuff that I've gone through. The names are changed, their situations are changed, but they're all things that I've experienced. One of the things that I've always struggled with is the desire for what I call security and love. You know, abandonment of any kind in your life. If you've ever been abandoned, if you've ever been let down, it will wreck you. It will damage you for a good long while. A sense of loss, abandonment issues have all, as I say, they've scratched their wounds on my soul and my life. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Because those things really contribute greatly to this thing that we all battle inside of us, and that's fear. We all have fears. Fears of losing our friends or our or our job, or the death of a loved one, uh, loss of our freedoms, uh, even a fear of losing our own life. And so fear prevents us from doing God's will. Fear keeps us from being accountable, and fear stops us from being honest about our feelings. Fear is really just a, it's a powerful force in our lives. And so our sinful nature then gets displayed in these attitudes. The conditions and the attitudes of our heart manifest itself out in our actions and our words on a daily basis. Now, for example, when my wife and I have a strong disagreement, or shall I just go ahead and say it, right? An argument. How many of you have ever had an argument? Let's be real. Oh, we've never had an argument. We've just only disagreed on certain things. Right. It's called an argument. It might even be a fight. You just don't want to say the word. But we've all had fights. I, I talk to young people all the time at North Central. Oh, we never fight. Get ready. Get ready. That's going to happen. Oh, we'll never fight. We'll just pray and work it out. Oh, boy. You know, you just, you just, I'm going to pray for you right now. That's what I say. Because it's like it's not going to happen. 
A lot of people don't see that side of me, though. The side that loses it, snaps at someone, yells at my wife. I wish that I could stand here and I could tell you that because I'm a minister or a professor that I'm just exempt from that internal struggle. I wish I had no sinful desire or fears or even sins of the heart. But I'm honest before you today. I struggle with my sinful nature every single day. And I debated uh, telling you some deep, dark story from my past. I don't really have that many. But I, I want to settle on something that I think is real because it's sometimes it's these kind of battles that we, we don't really see that the enemy is attacking us with. But I've had a battle in my life for many, many years over an attitude of resentment that I've had. Simply put, a resentment for those people who were given a mother and a father who raised them and stayed in their lives. I was abandoned at the age of four. Uh, I was never raised by my birth mother or father. And you can read about that in all my books, but my resentment of not having a mother and a father who raised me and seeing everybody else getting that. And, and today things are a little bit different, but in my era when I was, in, in, you know, my age and when the time frame, people, I was an outcast because you just were raised by your family and I wasn't. And this resentment would take this root deep down inside of my spirit and it would just resonate and stay there for years. Now, I wish that I could tell you that there's this beautiful, happy Hollywood Disney ending to the story and that my birth mother and father and I are all re resolved and, and everything's great, but here's the truth of it. Years later, my birth mother and father never reconciled. My birth mother died a few years ago, and I didn't even know about it until several weeks after her death. I wish I could tell you how wonderful it would be that my father and I have reconciled, but He's a stranger to me. We don't have anything in common. I, I don't hate him by any means, but we don't have a father-son relationship. He's someone I talk to once a month, and I see every three, four, five years. I wish that I could tell you that everybody has treated me special in my life, but that would also be a lie. I've been cursed at. I've been laughed at, just like you. I've been told that I would amount to nothing. I have been abandoned again and again by friends and family. The one thing that's remained constant, my beautiful wife, Chris, who's here for 33 years. So my sinful nature began to become glaringly obvious in my life. And what I did was then I blamed God for a whole lot of things. And anger and bitterness and fear began to control me in tough moments. And I spent a lifetime being short-tempered and judgmental and controlling. And the harder that I tried to stop it, the worse that it seemed to get. And I didn't like what I saw. I, I felt like the dark side of my personality, my sinful nature, was, was going to consume me. I knew that Satan was attacking me. And I was in this midst of this internal struggle for my soul. And I knew that the only thing I could do was to try to find peace in Jesus Christ. And during that time in my life when I was struggling with this, I would read Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25 over and over. And, I, and it was liberating to know that the Apostle Paul also struggled with his sinful nature. I'm going to read it for you. 
so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Our sinful nature is a powerful force in our lives. But I came to understand that the shed blood of Jesus Christ was enough to rescue me from the torment of my sin. We are all free then because of that, of the guilt and condemnation and even death. And I've come to realize that there is victory over Satan. There is victory over sin. There's victory over this world. And there is indeed victory over my sinful nature. But today, you are not a bystander in this war. You cannot hide or hope it goes away. You've got to prepare yourself to fight. You've got to take up God's armor. That's one way you can fight. You've got to take up your weapons. And you've got to say to yourself, this is war. I'm ready to go to war. And in order to win that war, you've got to have a game plan to win. I think it's important that we recognize what's already kind of around us. I mean, if you were in a war, if you were going to defend yourself at just any moment, someone came up upon you, you'd grab whatever you could. You'd grab this music stand. You'd start swinging it around. Come on! You'd pick up anything you could. You'd grab a chair, a microphone stand. I'd personally grab this guitar. Sorry, I really won't do that. But you'd be like, let's go! Did you already know you've got the weapons you need right in front of you? You've got the whole armor of God. You don't have to do anything. Ephesians 6 tells us to use every weapon, right? But what kind of weapon? That God has given you. So when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to do what? Get smashed, get beat up, get knocked down, fail? No, so that you can stand your ground. Weapons like the Word of God. Do we forget this or what during the week? What happens to us sometimes, Pastor Chris? Here we are at church, we're just getting into God's Word, and then we walk out the door and we forget our weapons right there with us. And these days you can pull out your phone. Mine's over there, because I don't use it up here. And you can get God's weapon, God's Word, right in front of you everywhere you go. It's right there. And the Bible is the single most powerful weapon we have to live a righteous life and to discern truth from lie. Weapons also that we have around us like praying strong spiritual prayers. Prayers specifically asking God to give you victory over the strongholds of the enemy. And I, I know it's important to just pray about people who are sick and, and for salvation and, and our own special requests. Those are all good things. But I want to show you today that you must also pray specifically for God to break down 
the weapons of the enemy at attack, his strongholds, and use God's weapons to build up and fight off the enemy. To defeat Satan and to pray specific kind of tearing down prayers. Prayers that clearly, specifically ask God to help you see the attacks of the enemy. And then prayers believing for the deliverance of God to come into your life. So we've got to be on our guard because Satan's major method of attack is not to walk up to you and say, hey, man, you're just going to be having... Here I am. Just look at me. I'm right in your face today. Nope, that's not how Satan attacks. You know how Satan attacks us? What he does is he comes in and he's covert and he's subversive. He's like a spy living among us. A master at taking the very things that are our weakness and using them to destroy us. He's smart, and he's savvy, and he attacks what I call our blind spots. The areas where we we fail to see. uh, Places like the pain and sorrows and hurts, like I talked about, of my own childhood, our desires, and and those things that really overtake us. Each provide an attack spot for Satan to erode and weaken our faith. So don't underestimate him. Understand your blind spots. Start figuring out what is it that the enemy uses. Why is it that someone says something to you that hurts your feelings? Why are you hurt? What is it that's triggering that inside of you that makes you get angry and want to rile back? What is it that causes you to get depressed or or discouraged? What are those things that are happening to you and see that the enemy is going to attack you right there in that spot? We sometimes think, oh, he's just going to tempt me with alcohol or or some kind of sexual affair, or pornography, or something. Yes, he's going to do that. But he's also going to come underneath, and come in, and say, hey, how can I get you where you aren't thinking about me? And I wish that I could promise you today that you'll never have to fight a battle. I wish I could tell you that nothing bad's ever going to happen to you or your family. But I can't do that. Because sometimes bad things do happen. And your battle is to keep your faith through the trials, through the tribulations. Sometimes your sinful desires will control you. Sometimes you will give in to the pressures of the world. But God does not want you to be discouraged by the ups and downs of your faith. You've got to continue the process of becoming a new creation and allowing Christ's grace to be sufficient for you to carry you through all of your struggles. And you don't have to be special today to live for Christ or to defeat Satan. You really don't. You don't have to be Pastor Chris. You don't have to be me. You don't have to be anybody special. Satan thinks that he's one, but ordinary people are foiling his plans. You don't have to be special to live for for Jesus or or to to fight off Satan. It only means you've just got to be yourself. Just be ordinary. You don't have to be special. You don't have to be super spiritual. Just be who you are because God wants you to know that he gives you what you need to just be you. To fight him off. To stand for what is true, for what is right, and what is good. The faithfulness of one righteous man matters to God. The faithfulness of one righteous woman matters to God. And if you're faithful in the little battles, God's grace is going to carry you through this perilous warfare of your soul. And my prayer is that you walk away from here today completely aware of the spiritual battle that exists for your soul. That truly 
Forces are at work to destroy you, even this very moment. But I also hope that you see this, this unbelievable, exciting truth that we do not fight this battle on our own. That God loves you, and He is fighting for you this very moment, and He is going to defeat Satan and his forces. And yes, this is war, but I am redeemed by the blood of Christ. I am delivered. I walk in the kingdom of light. Darkness cannot defeat me, and Satan has already been defeated. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, you and I will be victorious in this spiritual warfare. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I mentioned a few moments ago, I said we, we have to pray prayers of overcoming prayers, of prayers of faith, prayers of victory. And so today, I want to finish by doing that very much. I want to share these words with you as we would do so now if you would just bow your heads close your eyes just as a sign of surrender if you want just even hold your hands out right in front of you don't have to do anything crazy with them but just drop them right there and Heavenly Father we're thankful that you blessed us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. We're thankful that you've given us a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're thankful that you've made a provision so that we can live a life filled with love and joy and peace, with long-suffering, with gentleness, with goodness, with meekness, with faithfulness and self-control. And we recognize that this is your will for us, and therefore, we reject and resist all the endeavors of Satan and his wicked sp spirits to rob us of the will of God. We refuse this day to believe in our feelings and our emotions. And instead, we hold up the shield of faith against all the accusations and the distortions, insinuations that Satan would try to put into our minds. We claim the fullness of the will of God for our lives. And in the name of Jesus, we completely surrender ourselves to you, Father. We surrender ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. And we choose not to be conformed to this world. We choose to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we pray that you will show us your will and enable us to walk in the fullness of your will. And we're thankful, Father, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and to bring every thought into obedience to Christ. Therefore, in our lives today, we tear down the strongholds of Satan and smash the plans of Satan that have been formed against us. We tear down the strongholds of Satan against our minds and we surrender our minds to you. Holy Spirit, we affirm that the Father has not given us a spirit of love, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. No spirit of fear. Today, we break and smash the strongholds of Satan against our emotions. We refuse to allow our emotions to control us. 
Instead, we trust in the foundation of who you are. And so we give our emotions to you. We smash down the strongholds of Satan that are formed against our wills. We give our wills to you. We want to do what is right, and we choose to make the right decisions of faith. We smash down as well the strongholds of Satan that are formed against our bodies. We want to give you our bodies as temples, recognizing that you are our temple. And today we rejoice in your mercy and in your goodness. Enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to be people who please you, who seek you, who obey you. You've told us that you will not cast aside a broken and contrite heart. If we come to you today with obedience, Father God, if we humble ourselves before you, you will reach out your hand of forgiveness and mercy and you will forgive us. Father, help us, enable us to be aggressive in our prayer and in our faith. Enable us to think about and practice your word and for us to give you the rightful place in our lives. You have proven your power by resurrecting your son Jesus Christ from the dead. And we claim in every way this victory over all the satanic forces in our lives and in this world. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with all thanksgiving. And we say amen and amen. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.